Hello and welcome to Equipping the Saints. I'm Ryan and thank you for joining us today. This is part three and the final week that we're going to be covering the State of Theology survey. We have 11 more questions to go through, so let's go ahead and get started. Number one, Christ will return to judge all people who have ever lived. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came up to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And of course, this is a reference to Jesus Christ himself being the Son of Man. Luke chapter 21, verse 27. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. So is this a true statement or not, that Jesus will come and judge his people? This is a true statement, that yes, all people whether you are saved or not, whether they have long since died or are alive today, they will all be judged by God. Now, what does the church think? What do evangelical Christians today believe? 64% agree with this statement, which means that 36% do not. And that's scary, because that's more than one-third of all churchgoers if we were to see this as the church as a whole. Very concerning, isn't it? Number two. Worshiping alone or with family can replace going to church. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So two things it mentions here are the day drawing near, obviously the day of the Lord, when he will return. But secondly, not forsaking our own assembling together. Obviously that means not going to church. It is important that we as a body of believers go to church, not because it's just something to do, and that we were commanded to do it, but it serves a purpose. So, how many people agree with the statement that worshiping alone can replace church? 67% agree with this statement. That means two-thirds of the people that claim to be evangelical Christians don't think church is that important, when it certainly most is important. And I don't know how many of the people who took the survey don't go to church, but it is wrong, biblically, to not go to church. Not because it's legalistic, but because it has a purpose. That is where we grow. That is where we are discipled. That is where we fellowship. That is where we evangelize, where we equip people. And it must be of importance to us, a core value that cannot be compromised. Number three, 
Christians should be silent on issues of politics. And especially in today's day and age, this is an extremely important question to hammer out. Exodus chapter 21, verses 22 through 25. If men struggle with each other and strike a woman with child so that she gives birth prematurely, yet there is no injury, he shall surely be fined as the woman's husband may demand of him, and he shall pay as the judges decide. But if there is any further injury, then you shall appoint as a penalty life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 10. Differing weights and differing measures, both of them are abominable to the Lord. So, what are the significances of these two verses in, when it comes to politics? Well, for one, the first one is about abortion. It's about understanding the sanctity of life. Because, like it says, if a woman is pregnant and she's injured by someone, but the baby lives, okay, you just pay a monetary fine. But if the baby dies, it is treated like a homicide, like it is the murder of another human being, because the unborn child is a human being. Therefore, abortion is against the Bible. The one in the Proverbs relates to fair business practices, practicing business with integrity, with fairness, so on and so forth. So these are definitely issues of politics. So, should a Christian be silent on issues of politics? The answer is false. We should not be silent on issues of politics, especially when it comes to things that are biblical. Now, there are some things in politics that are not biblical. For example, the Second Amendment, for example, the right to bear arms. While it is an important principle, and I firmly agree with it, it is not a biblical thing, and so it doesn't violate the Word of God in some way. Now, if it does violate the Word of God, we have an obligation by our Lord to say something, and to definitely not conform to it. Does that cause disciplinary action on you? Does that cause you to lose your job or people to persecute you? Maybe. But we have to stand in opposition to things that are against God and not participate in them. Number four, every Christian has an obligation to join a local church. This one may seem similar to the other question, but it's still a question that needs to be answered. Do we need to join a local church, or can I join a TV church, so on and so forth? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. You can also put in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, which we already read, about forsaking the assembling of some so that we can build each other up. Both of these are necessary because they are talking about being active in the church. This one in Hebrews chapter 13 is saying to obey your leaders because they watch over your souls. 
my boss at work doesn't watch over my soul. He is my leader, but he doesn't watch over my soul. So it must be talking about spiritual leaders, right? And we can't have a spiritual leader if we're not going to church. So is this a true statement or not, that we are obligated to join a local church? This is true. Now, to be clear, the New Testament does not command us to join a church like a membership, but it is a responsibility through the rest of the Bible that we need to be active and in a local assembly of believers. We are stronger together than we are apart. In fact, Satan loves to isolate us because then we lose our way. And to help us not lose our way, we need to work on this together. Number five, sex outside of marriage is a sin. And let me be clear, when it's talking about marriage, it's talking about traditional marriage, the marriage between a man and a woman. Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 25. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle, and to the birds of the sky, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. This is what the Bible says is traditional marriage. And that might explain as well why men love ribs and women. Really bad joke, I'm sorry. So is sex outside of a traditional marriage a sin? This is true. Sex outside of marriage is a sin. Now, there are other ways to act immorally from your wife as well when you are married, as well as before you're married. For example, pornography. Those things are devastating to a marriage, as well as devastating to how you view women before you get married. So we certainly need to stay away from that stuff. 53% of believers agree with this statement. Wow! little more than half. So half the people in your church are okay with sex outside of marriage. That is incredibly perverse. I'm sick reading this. Not to mention, I forgot to talk about the obligation to join a local church and politics. 30% of Christians believe that we should talk about politics. And 37% of Christians believe you should join a church. So there's something to be said about what 
modern day Christians are thinking that are causing the rifts in our religion that we see today. We are believing so many lies, and it's terrible to see. Please pray for your fellow brothers and sisters that they may have a change of heart and repent. And I think just by reading the Word of God itself, that will help remedy some of these problems. But we need to get Christians to open their Bible regularly and listen to it. Number six. Now this one is similar to the politics one as well. Abortion is a sin. So we already read the account in Exodus chapter 21, but I'm going to also share with you Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 through 16. For you formed my inward parts. You wove me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not yet one of them. So is abortion a sin? I hope we don't have to think too hard about this one because of what we just discussed in the politics. Yes, abortion is a sin. It is murder, and God hates murder. 53% of Christians believe that abortion is a sin. Half of the people in your church are okay with murdering children. That sickens me. I have a very soft spot for children and babies suffering, and that hurts so bad to think about. Half of my brothers and sisters think it's okay. Number seven. The Bible's condemnation of homosexuality does not apply today. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 32. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man and of birds and four-footed animals and crawling creatures. Therefore God gave them over in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, so that their bodies would be dishonored among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also, the men abandoned the natural function of a woman and burned in their desire toward one another. Men with men committing indecent acts 
and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper, being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, they are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful, and although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also give hearty approval to those who practice them. Given what we read, does the Bible condemn homosexuality today? The statement is false, because the question stated, the Bible's condemnation on homosexuality does not apply today. It most certainly does apply today. Marriage between one man and a woman was established since the creation, like we read, and it is the only legitimate expression for sexual activity. Therefore, homosexuality is against God's original design. Therefore, homosexuality is a sin. 46% of churchgoers today agreed with the statement. Almost half think it's okay to be homosexual. It's your body, your choice, right? Because at the end of the day, you can make that decision, but there will be severe consequences for that. Number eight, God is not concerned with my day-to-day -day decisions. Psalm chapter 33, verses 13 through 15. The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the heart of them all, he who understands all their works. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. So is this a true statement or not, that God doesn't care about the decisions we make every day? This is a false statement. God is certainly concerned with the decisions we make every day. He is sovereign over all things, and he governs all things. And we are supposed to do everything for the glory of God because he is watching. There's that unfortunate myth that God is likened to a master clockmaker, where he made everything, but then he just takes a back seat and lets things run on its own, kind of like, a, like we're some sort of an ant colony or something. But he certainly does care about the decisions we make, and he is watching us all the time. Number nine, the Bible has the authority to tell us what we must do. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He humbled you and let you be hungry, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you understand 
that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. If we understand this, then that means everything that God speaks is what causes us to live and survive. The Word of God is from His mouth. It is God-breathed. Therefore, is this a true statement or not? Does the Bible have the authority to tell us what to do? Yes, it does have the authority to tell us what to do. Because when we look at it for what it really is, if the Bible is indeed God-breathed, if we disobey the Bible, we disobey God. It should be that simple. 52% of churchgoers today agree that the Bible tells them what to do. A little more than half. That means there's half of Christians today that believe the Bible is a guidebook when it's convenient, or it's not even true when it is absolutely true for our survival. If we didn't believe the Bible was what it was, then we would be lost in our sins forever. Number 10. Religious belief is a matter of personal opinion. It is not about objective truth. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 20 through 25. Gather yourselves and come. Draw near together, you fugitives of the nations. They have no knowledge, who carry about their wooden idol, and pray to a God who cannot save. Declare and set forth your case. Indeed, let them consult together. Who has announced this from of old? Who has long since declared it? Is it not I, the Lord? And there is no other God besides me, a righteous God and a Savior. There is none except me. Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth. For I am God, and there is no other. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone forth from my mouth in righteousness, and it will not turn back. That to me every knee will bow, every tongue will swear allegiance. They will say of me, only in the Lord are righteousness and strength. Men will come to him, and all who are angry at him will be put to shame. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel will be justified and will glory. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, especially the first 17 verses, are a very good source for information on this as well, but I'm not going to read all of that. So, is this a true statement? Religious belief is an opinion, or is it the truth? This is a false statement. Religious belief is not an opinion. All of the religions of mankind do not claim to be mere personal opinions, but they claim to be objective truth. This is particularly true of the Christian faith, which is based on historical events, such as the resurrection of Jesus. This is the same God that we just read who raised Jesus from the dead, and he proclaims that he is the only God that can save us. So, this isn't just about faith, this is about the truth. We must believe that the words of God are the truth. 60% of churchgoers believe that this is an opinion. How 
sad as that. Christianity is just whatever you want to believe, or if you don't want to believe it, that's fine too. But that's not the way it is, and that's not what God said. So if you claim to be Christian and you don't believe the Bible is truth, then your religion is fake. And finally, number 11. It is paramount for me personally to share Jesus with non-Christians. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So is it paramount? Is it the absolute highest thing we have to do to share Jesus with other people? This is absolutely true. First of all, faith in Jesus Christ alone is the only way to be reconciled to God. But Christians are to, like we were commanded to do, proclaim the gospel to people and teach them to obey everything that God has commanded. 56% of Christians believe this. A little more than half, only a little more than half of Christians today believe that it is imperative to share the gospel. This is into membership club, but we have been called by a holy calling to come together and share Christ with others. Thank you for doing this survey with me, and I hope this was eye-opening to either where you stand or where your fellow believers stand. I was certainly sobered by this, and I was just utterly shocked by what I discovered by doing this survey. And this has really just encouraged me to keep doing this more and more, because we need to know the truth. We need to be able to represent God properly and understand Him the way that He wants to be understood. So I encourage you to take what you have learned today seriously and to educate people to know the truth that's in the Word of God. Thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.